0: Chapter 19 of We of the Never Never. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K Hand. We of the Never Never by Jeannie Gunn. Chapter 19. Dan and the quiet stockman went out to the northwest immediately to clean up there before getting the bullocks together but the maluka settling down to arrears of bookkeeping with the dandy at his right hand cheon once more took the missus under his wing feeding her up and scorning her gardening efforts the idea of a white woman thinking she could grow watermelons he scoffed when i planted seeds having decided on a carpet of luxuriant greens to fill up the garden beds until the shrubs grew the maluka advised waiting and the seeds coming up within a few days cheon after expressing surprise prophesied an early death or a fruitless life Billy Muck, however, took a practical interest in the watermelons, and, to incite him to water them in our absence, he was made a shareholder in the venture. As a natural result, the staff, the rejected, and the shadows immediately applied for shares, pointing out that they too carried water to the plants, and the watermelon beds became the property of a working liability company with the missus as chairman of directors. The shadows were as numerous as ever, the rejected on the increase, but the staff was, fortunately, reduced to three for the time being, were rather reduced to two and increased again to three, Judy had been called Bush on business, and the Max, having got out in good time, Bertie's Nelly and Biddy had been obliged to resign and go with the wagons under protest, of course, leaving Rosie and Jimmy's Nelly augmented by one of the most persistent of all the shadows- a tiny child lubra bet bet most of us still considered bet bet one of the shadows, but she persisted that she was the mainstay of the staff. me all day, dust and paper, me round em up goat, she would say me sit down all right she certainly excelled in rounding up goat riding the old billy like a race-horse and with Rosie filling the position of housemaid to perfection jimmy's nelly proving invaluable in her vigorous treatment of the rejected and the wood-heap gossip filling in odd times life so far as it was dependent on black folk was running on oiled wheels the house was clean and orderly the garden flourished and as the melons grew apace throwing out secondary leaves in defiance of cheon's prophecies billy muck grew more and more enthusiastic In usurping the position of chairman of the directors, he inspired the shareholders with so much zeal that the prophecies were almost fulfilled through a surfeit of watering. But Cheon's attitude towards the watermelons did not change, although he had begun to look with favor upon mail matter and station books, finding in them a power that could keep the maluka at the homestead. For a full two weeks after our return from the drover's camp, our life was exactly as Cheon would have it, peaceful and regular, with an occasional single day out bush and when the maluka, in his leisure, began to fulfill his long-standing promise of a defense around my garden, Cheon expressed himself well pleased with his reform. But even the demands of station books and accumulated mail matter can be satisfied in time, and Dan reporting that he was getting going with the bullocks, Cheon found his approval had been premature, for to his dismay the maluka abandoned the fence and began preparations for a trip bush. Surely the missus was not going, he said, and next day we left him at the homestead, a lonely figure, seated on an overturned bucket, disconsolate and fearing the worst. Cheon often favoured an upside-down bucket for a seat. Nothing more uncomfortable for a fat man can be imagined, yet Cheon sat on his rickety perch, for the most part chuckling and happy. Perhaps, like Mark Tapley, he felt it a credit being jolly under such circumstances by way of contrast we found dan and jack optimistic and happy with some good bullocks in hand a record branding to report for the fortnight's work and a drover in camp of such a delightful turn of mind that he was inclined to look upon every bullock mustered as just the thing he was easily disposed of and within a week we were back at the homestead we had left cheon sad and disconsolate but he met us filled with fury and holding a sack of something soft in his arms "'What's er matter?' he spluttered, almost choking with rage. "'Me savvy grow cabbage.' And he flung the sack at our feet as we stood in the homestead thoroughfare, staring at him in wonder. "'Paper yabber,' he added curtly, passing a letter to the maluka. It was a kindly, courteous letter from our eastern neighbor, who had ventured to send a cabbage, remembering the homestead garden did not get on too well. His visits had been in Sam's day. "'How kind,' we said, and not understanding Cheon's wrath, the maluka opened the bag and passed two fine cabbages to him after duly admiring them. They acted on Cheon like a red rag on a bull. Flinging them from him, he sent them spinning across the stony ground with two furious kicks, following them up with further furious kicks as we looked on in speechless amazement. "'What's her matter?' he growled, as, abandoning the chase with a final lunge, he stalked indignantly back to us. And as the unfortunate cabbages turned over and lay still on their tattered backs, he began to explain his wrath was he not paid to grow cabbages he asked and where had he failed that we should accept cabbages from neighbors cabbages for ourselves but insults for him then the comical side of his nature coming to the surface as unexpectedly as his wrath he was overcome with laughter and clung to a veranda post for support while still speechless we looked on in consternation for laughing was a serious matter with Cheon. my word me plenty cross fellow he gasped at intervals and finally led the way to the vegetable garden where he cut an enormous cabbage and carried it to the store to weigh it The scale turned at twelve pounds, and, sure of our ground now, we compared its mighty heart to the stout heart of Cheon, a compliment fully appreciated by his Chinese mind. Then, having disparaged the tattered results to his satisfaction, we went to the house and wrote a letter of thanks to our neighbor, giving him so vivid a word-picture of the reception of his cabbages that he felt inspired to play a practical joke on Cheon later. One thing is very certain. Everyone enjoyed those cabbages, including even Cheon and the goats." Of course we had cabbage for dinner that day and the day following and the next day again and were just fearing that cabbage was becoming a confirmed habit when dan coming in with reports we all went bush again and the spell was broken a pity the man from bayanst wasn't about dan said when he heard of the daily menu It was late in September when Dan came in, and four weeks slipped away with the concerns of cattle and cattle buyers and cattle duffers, and as we moved hither and thither the watermelons leafed and blossomed and fruited to Billy's delight and Cheon's undisguised amazement, and the line party, creeping on, crept first into our borders and then into camp at the warlocks, and Happy Dick's visits, dog-fights, and cribbage became part of the station routine now and then a traveller from inside passed out but as the roads inside were rapidly closing in none came from the outside going in and because of that there were no extra mails and toward the end of october we were wondering how we were going to get through the days until the fizzer was due again when dan and jack came in unexpectedly for consultation "'Run clean out of flour,' Dan announced, with a wink and a mysterious look toward the black world, as he dismounted at the head of the homestead thoroughfare then, after inquiring for the education of the missus, he added, with further winks and mystery, that it only needed a nigger hunt to round off her education properly, but it was after supper before he found a fitting opportunity to explain his winks and mystery. Then joining us as we lounged in the open starry space between the billabong and the house, he chuckled, "'Yes, it just needs a nigger hunt to make her education a credit to us.' "'Dan never joined us in the evenings without an invitation, although he was not above putting himself in the way of one. "'Whenever he felt inclined for what he called a pitch with the boss and missus, he would saunter past at a little distance, "'apparently bound for the billabong, but in reality, ready to respond to the malukas, is that you, Dan? "'Although just as ready to saunter on if that invitation was not forthcoming. "'A happy little arrangement born of that tact and delicacy of the bush folk that never intrudes on another man's privacy.' Dan, being just Dan, rarely had need to saunter on, and as he sewed down on the grass in acceptance of this usual form of invitation, he wagged his head wisely, declaring, She had got on so well with her education that it'd be a pity not to finish her off properly. Then, dropping his bantering tone, he reported a scatter-on among the river cattle. "'I wasn't going to say anything about it before the boys,' he said, "'but it's time someone gave a surprise party down the river. And a scatter-on meant niggers-in.' maluka readily agreed to a surprise patrol of the river country that being forbidden ground for blacks camps it's no good going unless it's going to be a surprise party dan reiterated and when the quiet stockman was called from across the quarters he was told that there wasn't going to be no talking before the boys further consultations being necessary dan feared arousing suspicion and to insure his surprise party and to guard against any word of the coming patrol being sent out bush by the station boys he indulged in a little dust-throwing and there was much talking in public about going out to the northwest for the boss to have another look round there and much laying of deep plans in private finally it was decided that the quiet stockman and his boys were to patrol the country north from the river while we were to keep to the south banks and follow the river down to the boundaries in all its windings each party appointed to camp at the red lily lagoons second night out each of course on its own side of the river It being necessary for Jack to cross the river beyond the springs, he left the homestead half a day before us, public gossip reporting that he was going beyond the water-house horse-mustering, and Dan, finding dust-throwing highly diverting, shouted after him that he might as well bring some fresh relays to the yellow hole in a day or two, and then giving his attention to the packing of swags and pack-bags, reckoned things were just about fixed up for a surprise party. End of chapter 19